Critical race theory. Is it anti-racist curricula or racist Marxist indoctrination? Howdy, I'm Paul Dragoo, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Freedom is the Cure. Critical race theory is either racist Marxist propaganda used to pit Americans against their country, or it's an honest look at our racist history, our current socio-political structure, and a well-intended attempt to help white people come to terms with our implicit racism. Implicit, by the way, is a backdoor way of manipulating people into thinking that they are racist. The argument is that if you're white and you don't think you're racist and you don't believe you're racist, you just don't know your racism is implicit. If you're like us, you know that critical race theory is Marxist drivel and it's meant to divide and it's exactly what it's done. There's no doubt there are well-meaning folks out there who are peddling this garbage. It's toxic nonetheless, whatever they mean to do. If you're like millions of Americans, you probably just heard of critical race theory. This hot button uh, Marxist demoralizing tool seemed to have sprung out of nowhere for some folks. And even as protesters and criminals took to the streets in the first half of a chaotic 2020, they were shouting basic CRT tenets like white privilege, social justice, intersexuality. But most people, it seemed, had no idea that the chickens of CRT, decades in the making, had come home to roost. Within the last half year, Americans have taken a crash course on CRT. Even former President Donald Trump, before leaving office, denounced it. He issued a short-lived ban on it from federal workers' training. And he tried to combat its effect with the Pro-America curricula, the 1776 report. Since Trump's departure, states like Florida and Texas and four others have officially banned critical race theory. On the flip side, states like Washington are requiring public school teachers to undergo CRT training. Our affiliate news magazine, The New American, has written quite a bit about CRT. So it wasn't that hard for me to dig up a condensed summary of CRT. This is from one of our senior editors, Annalisa Peshek. CRT stems from the idea of critical theory, which was started by the Frankfurt School of German communists who fled Nazi Germany to America in the 1930s. These Marxist scholars established themselves at top U.S. universities and criticized everything about capitalism with the goal of breaking down capitalist society, the nuclear family, and Christianity. The ultimate goal is to overthrow a capitalist government and replace it with a socialist one. Now a pervasive orthodoxy in U.S. institutions, CRT teaches that racism is about power and that only whites or people who carry favor with whites can be racist because whites hold all the power and the privilege. Thus, to destroy racism, one must destroy the white capitalist power structure. So how prevalent is CRT in America's educational landscape? A Cornell Law School professor launched a website that tracks critical race theory curriculum in the U.S., CriticalRace.org, created by William Jacobson, features a state-by-state -state list of more than 200 colleges and universities promoting critical race theory. I've visited this website, and the first thing I noticed was that critical race theory is being peddled in the largest and most prestigious universities. In my native state, 
of Georgia, where I live most of my life. CRT is taught at Emory, at Georgia Southern, and University of Georgia. In my most former home state, Montana, it's being taught in the two most influential state universities, University of Montana and Montana State University. And in my current state, it's being taught at, surprise, surprise, in the University of Wisconsin system and several others. This poisonous orthodoxy has infiltrated the institutions that produce the brightest and the most influential, including Yale, Harvard, MIT, Columbia, University of Chicago. They all teach critical race theory. Is it any surprise then that our nation is going insane? We've literally been systematically brainwashed. We're going to be discussing that today. And with me today, I have Wayne Morrow, and he is the JBS vice president and the overseer of the field coordinators, and Robert Owens, a JBS field coordinator, who has an extensive background as an attorney and a prosecutor in the Midwest. Wayne, we'll start with you. When do you remember first learning about CRT? Well, uh, CRT isn't really new. I mean, um, it's going back to the Frankfurt School, and it was called Critical Theory. Well, anyway, the Frankfurt School out of uh, Germany, you know, back in the 1920s, 1923, it was called the Institute for Social Research. Uh, Hitler actually, um, back in 1933, asked to move this organization or university or school out of, the, out of Germany, and it ended up in Columbia University. And they call it critical theory back then and uh so they uh, you know the the left always renames reframes or reintroduces all the time so um antonia gramsci uh which is an italian marxist he was the one involved in all of this back then and as we we talk about conflict theory or critical race theory it's uh, all part of a thing called he calls a hegemony and that's the oppressor and the oppressed and so this has been going on for a long time. You know, Robert and I uh, spoke about this uh, a few days ago. And, you know, this is old news. This has been around for a while. It surprised maybe some parents or some people. But in reality, uh, it's been around for a while. Different names, but it came out of the Frankfurt School, which is really Marxism. That's what it is. I think for a lot of people, kind of, it kind mm-hmm. of came out... Um, of nowhere in a sense, you know, terms like white privilege and things like that. They were being used during the riots. But I remember a lot of people still didn't know where this stuff was coming from. So from the outside, it sure does look like, I mean, like a lots of people just found out. What you're saying is I've known about this. This old this news. Is, yeah, yeah, it's what, old news. You, go, goals 2000, no child left behind. I mean, all these, all the same stuff. Now it's called SEL, social emotional learning. It's all the same garbage, okay? It's all Marxism, all coded different colors, all the same thing. What about you, Robert? Well, I I think if you look at uh, what's the violence that's been going on on our campuses and the sort of shutdown of any uh, free thought of ideas, I mean, that's sort of been an application of critical race theory uh, for uh, for some time. And and I think also, you know, being having been in the benefit of being a, a long term member of the John Birch Society and uh, reading our publications for so long, uh, none of this really sneaks up on you because, uh, you know, Bill Jasper and so many others have been writing on these topics uh, for a long time. And uh, and then you see them play out uh, really on college campuses. 
uh, with uh, the violence that's taking place, the LGBTQ movement and, and all of these aspects. And all of it ties back to this, uh, as Wayne pointed out, this Marxist dichotomy of the oppressor versus the oppressed. And, um, and, and that's really the, the nature of it. So they take this one core concept of oppressor versus oppressed, uh, and then they find all sorts of different ways to put different retail packaging on it and then, you know, foist that on, on the masses in all sorts of different uh, ways. And in many respects, uh, this is what we're seeing now in the schools with critical race theory is almost a direct copy of uh, Mao's cultural revolution uh, from decades ago. So, I mean, all of these things, uh, you know, they go back to the well. It, it's interesting when you watch uh, speeches given by Robert Welch 40, 50 years ago, and you you think, wow, I mean, this stuff is relevant today. How did he know what was happening today? I mean, he wasn't a soothsayer. He was just a great historian. And he understood how they operate and how they would package these things and uh, how this stuff would go forward. So I, I think the real benefit to being a member of the John Birch Society and getting educated with Birch materials is that these things don't sneak up on you and you can see them coming a mile away. How would you guys define it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to sort of take that one. So critical race theory is, in fact, sort of this package of ideas where you have these uh, alleged origin stories, uh, sort of politicized premises and highly prejudiced conclusions. And all of it is done to sort of reduce uh, all of American history so that it can be seen within this dichotomy of race racial tension and specifically oppressor versus oppressed. I mean, that's the, the concept that, that comes into play uh, with regard to it. And, and really it is a complete revisionist history. And we have to understand that uh, America didn't invent slavery, America ended slavery. Uh, and while there were certainly white slave owners in America, there were by far more numerous white slave abolitionists that were working it as a grassroots army uh, to end slavery. Uh, and, and also, I think you can point to the fact in the reality is that while there were a small number of white slave owners, there were an equal number of black slave traders in Africa that were involved in the uh, capturing and sale of people of their own race. The concept of CRT, critical race theory, the principle number one is racism is normal and there's everything is racist. Uh, you know, there's a book uh, written years ago uh, called White Fragility by uh, Robin D'Angelo. And the churches actually use some of this. Uh, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really a place where if you look at Gramsci, if you listen to what he had to say and the Frankfurt School, they knew that the race card would be really important. That's an old Marxist trick because they make people in subgroups. They never talk about, you know, the United States or as a whole. They're all subgroups. And the subgroups are done for a reason to divide and conquer. You know, so number one, racism is normal. That's what we're looking at. That's what it's all about. You know, and as, as Robert touched on our history, you know, 1776, we had the Declaration of Independence. Then really, if you want to be technical, 1787, we had the Constitution. And then the 1619 Project says, no, 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 no. You know, the United States is, let me redefine what it is. 
it's really racist. This is when their first blacks came to America. So, you know, America is really defined by racism. So that's why the 1619 project shows up. It's riddled with horrific error in history. But that's why they redefine America as racist. That's why they did the 1619 project. But number one, racism is normal for them. And then they have a thing called convergence theory, you know, and, and how they collide with cultures and how the white supremacist people with the constitution suppress the oppressors, as Robert mentioned. And that's, that's the battle. That's, that's Marxism, you know, and that's all fallacious. That's not true at all. And, uh, you know, I don't see people leaving the United States and going to the Soviet Union or East Bloc countries in droves, do you? <laughs> so, you know, it's a big game. As I mentioned earlier, it says that there's nothing new. They get a different name and repackaging. I think the reason why parents or people now understand it, it brought it to the forefront with the past administrations, Obama, et cetera. And they're pushing it in the face now hard with children. Uh, and it's really impacting the family. And, you know, now they have a thing called SEL. It's now it's morphing to a different language, social emotional learning. And we'll talk about that for a minute, if you like. But, you know, all it's all about subgroups. It's about division with even in the family, as well as as, as, as our government. And that's what they're all about. Divisions. It's really total Marxism. That's what it is. This stuff has been in schools for a long, long time. You guys think it's a good thing that people are awakening? And what do you guys think? Like you said, it sounds to me like you're kind of saying that the past administration, referring to the Trump administration, is partly responsible for bringing attention to this. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it, it's there's a lot of friction about it, but now it seems like more people are aware of it, right? Working our butts off, Paul, here in the field to get our members coordinated and, and active. And when you see these things pass, I, I mean, almost certainly what you'll see is active, vibrant chapters of the John Birch Society that are at the tip of the spear of uh, pushing these types of things through. We've been talking about these concepts for a very, for a very long time now. And uh, when you had mentioned that there's parents are, are becoming engaged or noticing totally. it in their schools mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any personal anecdotes or, or have you run into people who, you know, or incidences where uh, people are really, really pushing back against this? Yeah. I give you one. Um, last week uh, where I lived last Thursday, they had a meeting for the middle school a board of uh, school board uh, where they hired a administrator from the North to come down here in the South and her agenda was CRT and over 400 plus parents showed up and said, Hey, we don't need CRT. So, uh, you know, and there were some, I wasn't there at the, the meeting. In fact, they closed the, uh, the entrance because there's so many people, the video that I watched parents were upset because, uh, they were teaching that being white was an awful thing, you know, and we should be ashamed of ourselves. Uh, suicide rates in schools are up, you know, can you imagine the psychological warfare of our children? That's not what schools are about, right? We're talking about education, you know? So I always tell the parents, hey, if you don't like it, get your kids out of school, best thing you can do. Uh, from a constitutional perspective, there's no such thing as the Department of Education. <laughs> uh, so we can get down on that later if you like. But reality is, is after that meeting, the person who was coming to occupy that position actually resigned this week 
uh, she's not coming now. But here's a catch. They're still going to use SEL instead. They're not going to teach the S1619 project or critical race theory, but they're going to still promote social emotional learning. Uh, that's dangerous as well. But, so that's the most current information here. Uh, parents are involved. They're involved in various states, United States. They're concerned because the school, the state, the government is taking the place of a parent, teaching them social values, family values instead of them. And I think that's what we see. As much like uh, Robert mentioned, it appeared very similar than China. And that's what we're looking at. It's the same playbook, you know, maybe a different name slightly, but it's the same thing. I can tell you, I've had a number of meetings with, uh, with regard to people that are on the subcommittees for K through 12 education. You know, our members have been hammering their phone lines. And, and as a result of that, there's several things that are happening. And they're writing issues in the state budget that uh, schools that, that teach theory, that teach a social emotional learning, that teach uh, these types of uh, topics, the 1619 project, they're going to lose funding. Uh, and, and, and that's the sort of way that we have to go about it. Uh, additionally, we just dropped in uh, the Ohio House uh, and uh, pretty soon here in the Ohio Senate as well, uh, a bill that says that parents pull their children uh, out of school, uh, out of a public school, and that the funds that would go uh, to the school for a child would then follow the child uh, so the parents can self-direct those funds for better educational options. And uh, we've had these bills in the past and they stalled in committee uh, and we've had trouble getting grassroots support to push them through opposition of teachers unions. And I think in many respects, because of parents having to go through the pandemic uh, and, and deal with and, and really see much closer what's happening with these schools in this uh, in this vein and uh, the types of stuff that's been teaching parents are paying closer attention and they're getting upset and uh, we've got a number of good uh, new members that are very active right now uh, that uh, are, are recent members to the society that that that's exactly the kinds of things that they relate to me as problems that they had, and they're willing to take action and understand that action this day is what's needed. Now you had mentioned something about funding, and I I, I didn't understand. Are you saying that there's a, there's proposals or or work, you guys are working on bills over there in Ohio that would actually take funding for? Uh, if if critical race theory is attached to education or is it the opposite? Because we've heard the opposite could be the case as well. Whereas uh, you could lose federal funding if you don't implement this. Both, Paul. <laughs> and, 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 and let me sort of, you know, separate those things out. First of all, the, the Biden administration did announce last month uh, and, and published in the Federal Register directives that said, hey, um, Schools that implement critical race theory in the 1619 project are going to pr be prioritized for funding. If they're out of funds, those that don't just simply don't get any money, right? So when school administrators here prioritize their funding, they understand that they need to have this stuff in there or else they're not going to get federal funds. Um, now, at the state level, so that's at the federal level, at the state level, states are pushing back and they're including things in their budget, in the state budgets to say, hey, if you teach these things, we're going to cut you off of state funds. 
You know, on one hand, they're cut off if they do. On the other hand, they're cut off if they uh, if they don't. Um, but but ultimately, they've got to do the right thing, right? Which is not teach this garbage. Uh, again, at the state level, uh, we're seeing these aspects where the states are going to cut off funding to school districts if they promote these things, but also really uh, has pushed the expansion of the school choice, school choice understanding uh, as well, so that parents can just get their kids out of public schools and, and redirect those funds to private school options uh, that uh, are going to be much more responsive to parents going forward to uh, to teach, you know, classical aspects and traditional American history uh, and understanding that uh, uh, our country uh, was based on the premise of freedom for all people and that there's been more prosperity to more people in, in any point in history. And I, I think we lose track of that sometimes because it kind of goes without saying, I would think, especially for, for Birch supporters and and, and members is. I mean, the evidence is, uh, what do they say? The, the proof is in the pudding, you know, like you, someone had mentioned earlier, it's like people are still coming here. People have been coming here. Nowhere have people uh, migrated to more than the United States of America. Those are the facts, obviously. And, and so it can't, it's not the place that, um, th that they want to portray it as. Now, is there a chance that if enough people, we know that the homeschooling and pulling kids out of public schools, and we know that public schools have bled and part of it has been part of the, uh, you know, COVID-19, but they've been bleeding students. Is this another way perhaps to put pressure on these public schools? Or as we know, some uh, within our network, they're like, forget public schools total, you know, is there any mm -hmm. salvation or what are the solutions? So where do we start? Mm -hmm. Where do we start with solutions? Mm -hmm. Wayne, right. you want to take that? Yeah, one? sure. Uh, yeah. So a uh, good point. Um, like as I mentioned earlier, um, it's kind of sneaky. Now they change it to social emotional learning. You know, I, I t I'll tell you that first, and I, I give you what I think parents are waking up to. You know, it shifts the school culture. That's what it does. It, it talks about mind, body, and soul. And what this program does, it takes the, the position away from the parents. It talks about accepting all kinds of lifestyles. So if you're teaching your child one in, at home, they're saying, no, it undermines the parent, really. And um, so, you know, if you look at the program, it's actually... For people listening, it's Castle, C-A-S-E-L.org. You can look at this website and it goes over detail what SEL is all about. But if, you know, in just a, in brief, it's really groupthink, accepting all, all worldviews. So against, it goes against the parents' worldview at home. And so the school's taking the position over. So what do you do as a parent? Now that you know, SEL sounds sort of like, well, does it sound too, too harmful, right? I mean, Robert and I have been talking about critical race theory, you know, and, and 1619 Project, America's bad. But now you get into social, emotional learning. It's okay. Well, if you really get into it, it's not. So when parents awaken to this fact that he's sliding this in, is that they have two choices. And I see this, you know, at the last meeting is if First of all, you, you run for a school board and you take out some of the, the uh, lefty liberals are in there and take them out. That's a partial answer. But the real answer is, is that the schools, Department of Education, public school systems broke. And it's never going to teach the things that we would teach in a worldview at all. And so we see a rise in private schools, Christian based education groups, 
really doing the things they're supposed to do, teaching them how to think. They're reading or write, writing and arithmetic, not the social aspects and how to behave in certain situations. That's really up to the family. And the whole part, as I said early on about Marxism, they want the family out of it. They want the state to be the parent. And that's what we're fighting against, Paul. And I just see parents faced with that. That's why we see the homeschool movement growing because they know that they're under assault. And that's what I see. Well, I think this would be a perfect time to also uh, for a shameless plug of a Freedom Project Academy. <laughs> uh, we do have for those who aren't aware, who aren't listening or who haven't heard a Freedom Project Academy. It's online classical education. You can do it through, uh, again, obviously online. And it uh, create it, it teaches our kids the, the classical education uh, that created uh, that created some of the best aspects of this uh, society. Enrollment is, is happening now. Well, anything else you want to tell folks about uh, Freedom Project Academy? No, it's certainly it's it's uh, an option for uh, parents uh, since we teach uh, a non-revisionist American history, which is really important. Uh, so you're not going to hear 1619 Project, trust me. But, I, you know, it's 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 a place uh, where parents have an option. And, uh, you know, um, and I see uh, with that in mind, uh, the John Bird Society has had that is one of the uh, avenues of, of options for people in general. So we have that, of course, our magazine and, and, uh, and it's affordable. I think we need yeah, to, it's very really, affordable. It's yeah. really, really it's affordable. An, it's an, is it the only online school in the world? Absolutely not. But I see parents looking for, as a matter of fact, the information I received from the school a couple of weeks ago that uh, we're, we're, we'll probably reach all time enrollment or surpass it from last year. What tells me that parents are awakening to the fact I mean, it's pretty blatant. I mean, if you could see basically what goes on in the public schools and you see what's happening, I mean, you know, do you want your child to be part of that? Uh, and I think you mentioned this, Robert, when people are at home, they're seeing what their children are being taught. Like, this isn't going to work. So, you know, what's something, you know, meant for evil, something's good here. And they're actually seeing, why are they teaching you this? Because they're so disengaged from the learning process. And now they had a chance to lean over the shoulder of a student and say, hey, why are you learning this? Or sometimes the parents participates in the, in the learning process and say, hey, this isn't us. This is total lies. And so it really was to our benefit. I think add those all in. I think that's why you see the movement in the United States of people leaving public schools. And I think that metric has not been well exposed because <laughs> I don't think the Department of Education wants to know that people are leaving, but I see that as I travel the U.S., parents are fed up with the public education school, and it's unconstitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have to have a Department of Education. Yeah, so I have a you know ten year old and a and a six year old. You know, I can see as compared to their friends that go to public schools, the absolute light year difference that exists. So my kids go to a small Christian school where, uh, in fact, my uh, my son's fourth grade teacher is a member of the John Birch Society uh, and has been for probably 30 years. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, the level of, I mean, like they can write in cursive, they read beautifully, even my six-year-old uh, reads beautifully. Uh, my son uh, tests in math and I in health. 
uh, probably at a seventh or almost even eighth grade level as compared to where his peers are in uh, in the public school. So it, it, it's just a light year difference that exists. You know, I, I in fact, one of one of our new members uh, was telling me recently that they got a uh, um, a. Uh, their kid came back and they had this book it says like why gasoline is evil right? <laughs> like, looking at it like what is going on here <laughs> right so you know that inspired them to get more guarded and it spurred a, a conversation with the principal uh, uh it got them more active education to say no gasoline's not evil <laughs> no, this is nonsense right yeah and, we uh, uh, it, it, we took our yeah. kid out of public school as well. Uh, and that was actually triggered mostly by, by this whole COVID-19 mania. Uh, we, and we were blessed in the sense my wife actually has an education degree. And uh, within a month, he went from, from doing basic uh, addition to he was adding and subtracting like three-digit numbers. Uh, and now a year and a couple of months later, he's actually on division. He's, 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 he's got his times tables memorized he's reading really well so it sounds like what kind of solutions are it depends on where you are you know uh, a lot of folks don't have the resources perhaps to uh, i would say a lot of folks don't for, for christian school for private school you know and maybe an option is to get involved on those school boards make sure that uh be on guard on what they're teaching there's lots of things uh, that, that we can do to make sure that we guard this next generation, right? Because what we're seeing, we are seeing the results of, it seems like systematic brainwashing. That's right. Indoctrination. Uh, That's what Indoctrination, demoralization, right? This, this, is, this, this is part of the moralization uh, uh, phase. And, and I think the evidence of that is, is currently on our college campuses right now where if you're a Christian speaker, I mean, people are getting violent and throwing protests. And, you know, if you are going to on campus and say anything other than let's celebrate transgenderism and let's celebrate dragons and all of this kind of stuff, uh, if you're not going to toe that line, um, you know, college kids are, are indoctrinated to get violent. Uh, about it. I mean, that's what we're seeing uh, with these types of uh, movements. So, you know, if you're not willing to put on the cloth, you know, the burlap sack and, you know, walk around the streets beating yourself uh, because you're white, uh, well, then, you, you know, you're, you're an oppressor. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, we've seen that so blatantly in college campuses and that wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the many years of indoctrination, uh, that, uh, that take place. I mean, shoot, Ohio state now has, I think over 150 diversity officers, you know, and, and, you know, office of inclusion and racial identity and all of these types of things. So it's a, a massive push uh to uh you know propel this agenda and the foundation of that is being laid in our elementary middle schools and high school yeah i continue on with that is you're actually seeing in the corporate world uh which i left recently and you'll see uh the same kinds of training diversity and sensitivity trainings and it's in the military as well and uh so it's not just in the school district it morphs all the way through society and that's all part of Agenda 2030. You know, America, this system is bad. You know, 
one of the things that, you know, uh, Gramansky said is that you got to tear down the social fabric of a country before you can Rebuild change it. the things that you need to do. And that's what's going to take all the institutions down. And how can you change the culture? That's what you have to start with your students, you know, and it permeates through everything now. And well, uh, and they know that that's that's the strategy. And that's what we see. And, uh, you know, no matter where you go, you see it in your face all the time. I think we need to be clear, though, um, that obviously the problem isn't that diversity or, or, you know, respect for others and whatnot. That's not what the problem is. The problem is it, it doesn't even do what it, it says it claims no. to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it sows division, uh, obviously hate, demoralization and whatnot. Uh, it's not doing exact. It's not doing what it, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a Marxist doctrine tactic Absolutely. to destroy. So with that, Last words, guys, before we uh, we clock out of here. A couple of things. Uh, I think, first of all, when there are school board meetings, uh, for sure, for parents to be involved and learn about social emotional learning. As I mentioned, it was casil.org. You learn a lot about that. And that's uh, you can find that under casel.org. That's uh, really a good website. It talks to you about, you know, the, the dangers of that, at least in my mind anyway. I hope others. And um you know, know the options of, 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 the, of the public school option is you have online schools, you have Christian schools, you have private schools. If it's going against the family traditions and values, and you know it's Marxist behavior to destroy, and I, we've been talking about college students at all, uh, you know, uh, that's an option where parents uh, have to take, um, take a stand because you can only educate uh, your child just once. You can't go back and do a redo. So I think it's a, an opportunity for parents to be a number one, be aware, be active. And if they don't like what they see, they have a choice to move them out. What I'm seeing so far is my comment here is that changing the public school system in the short term is going to be hard to do. And so people are leaving the public school system because they don't want their children exposed to socialist Marxist revisionist history and that's what i see going on and um and th that's my final thought but be aware of what's being taught if your child's in public school you're not going to like it we don't have the time to wait to transform and and restore the pub well to to make the public school better some would argue it's unconstitutional as we you, mentioned yeah what do you think robert any last words from you sir yeah as uh i mean as a you know parent of young children I would say that, uh, you know, right now the uh, public schools are just so infected that uh, there really isn't uh, any realistic option other than to uh, pull your, skid, your kids uh, out of public school. And are there sacrifices that have to be made for that? Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, but uh, there are options. And even, uh, you know, kids that are on, um, you know, on IEPs and uh, other aspects of and needing additional services. I mean, there's other avenues that you can look into. Uh, the most important thing is that uh, we not uh, allow our kids to be uh, indoctrinated with uh, Marxism uh, and, and just absolute garbage uh, that, that comes into play. And uh, we see this, and, 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 and really there was a, uh, a, a scholar, an intellect named Samuel Blumenfeld uh, that published so much 
uh, research data on this, that when kids are exposed to what's going on in our public schools, we're going to see suicide rates and cutting and all sorts of mental illness that is uh, part and parcel of this. So this isn't just a function of, hey, Marxism is bad and kids shouldn't be taught that, but we're talking about, you know, very long lasting mental disorders, suicide rates, all of those types of things that come into play with it. And that's why I say we have to get our kids out of these environments uh, and it's incumbent upon parents to, uh, to do that. So uh, you had mentioned Freedom Project Academy. That's an excellent uh, uh, option if there aren't any uh, good good uh, Christian uh, public schools, or I'm sorry, private school options uh, that exist. So there are some good things that can, uh, that can take place. There are some good alternatives that parents need to look into. And it's tough, right? I get it. It's not an easy aspect of it. But at some point, we have to understand that our children are the most important aspects of uh, who we are and what our duties are uh, as citizens to this, uh, citizens to this republic. Now, I don't think that that should necessarily mean abandon those public schools, because I think that even if we pull our kids out of uh, the public schools, it still means that we can be part of the fight uh, to restore public schools. Um, and, and so going to, uh, you know, those school board meetings, running in school board uh, offices, I mean, we have members that are uh, uh, sitting on school boards right now, we have members uh, of ours that are on the state school board uh, as well, uh, and they are putting in that fight, and, and we need to continue to do that, but I, I think that if we have young children, uh, we have to pull them out uh, right now and right away, and it's an imperative. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This is obviously a really, really important topic. And I, I know that there's lots of people listening who are parents. And, uh, you know, just the, it's a, a point you mentioned is that what you teach your children when they have children of their own. And I, I have a, a couple of daughters have uh, smaller children. What you taught them and they're early on, it moves on to the next generation. It doesn't stop. So those values move through. Yeah. So that's what I'm seeing. And uh, it's important. But, you know, it's parent involvement. And that's us. And uh, you just can't stand aside. You have to, I guess that's the last word. You got to get involved and be aware and knowledgeable really what's going on, because it opens a door to reason. It's only this is only part of the, the program. We talk about that. The John Burt Society is that this is only part of it. This is a much bigger agenda, but certainly education indoctrinating our children is really a key element for future generations uh, for us. And uh, it's really important, but it's only a part of the program, but you have to get involved. You have to be aware of, you have to get educated and you got to do something about it. Yeah. And we're actually going to help out a little bit more with that because we do have an upcoming action project, an education action project. Mm -hmm. Everyone listening out there, um, just be on the lookout for that. Well, obviously once we roll that out, we're going to pull out all the, the whistles and the stops, making sure you folks know about it to help people, to help everyone, um, you know, stop this, this crazy indoctrination and, and, and that's happening and to get uh, overall, what this amounts to is building the next generation or creating an American generation uh, of Americanist values. So thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you chiming in and getting in here. Thanks, Paul. Remember www.jbs.org. Sign up, be a member, get our magazines, and get involved, right? 
JBS.org. Yeah. For information, thenewamerican.com. We've got lots of stuff, good stuff there, too. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. And before we go, let's go to Peter Rakowski for our legislative alerts. Yeah, so we have a lot of legislative alerts. There's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, D.C. right now on a whole number of different topics. So I'm just going to go through some of the most urgent alerts that we have right now. Uh, probably the most urgent is Biden's so-called infrastructure plan. Uh, it's called the American Jobs Plan, and they refer to it as the infrastructure bill. But it has nothing to do with jobs. It has nothing to do with infrastructure. Really, it's some... Uh, draconian uh, proposal that would essentially implement uh, the Great Reset and the Paris Climate Agreement into U.S. federal law. It would spend $2.5 trillion. It would raise $2.75 trillion in new taxes. And only 5% of all that money of the $2.5 trillion actually goes to real infrastructure, aka roads and bridges. And even if you take a very generous view of infrastructure, only 25% of the money goes to infrastructure. I mean, the rest of the money goes to these far left uh, pet projects, which would essentially promote a Marxist environmental agenda. I mean, for example, the plan calls for 100% carbon-free electricity by 2035 and net zero emissions by 2050. Now, how do you achieve that? I mean, you'd have to destroy our economy to do that. And there are other ridiculous provisions in it. I mean, for example, this, this bill, it would uh, try to abolish uh, local zoning rules. For example, uh, establishing minimum lot sizes uh, that promote single family housing, essentially to promote this left-wing urbanization scheme, and it would spend billions of dollars on mass transit instead of, you know, actual roads and bridges. And there's all sorts of unconstitutional left-wing spending provisions in this bill. And so not only should we defeat this bill, but we should also tell our Republican senators and representatives to not compromise with the Democrats. I mean, the Republican senators have already uh, release a trillion dollar counter proposal, which is still a, a trillion dollars in unconstitutional wasteful spending. So this is one of our most urgent alerts that we have. Uh, we also have an alert on the George Floyd police bill, which is another uh, ridiculous draconian bill that would essentially create national standards, nationalizing our local police forces I mean, among the other provisions in this bill, it would establish a national standard for operating police departments. It would effectively defund local police departments by requiring them to uh, reprogram existing funds to so-called community-based policing uh, programs, which are essentially leftist uh, programs, which are anti-police in nature. And it would... Uh, put the Department of Justice in much greater control over uh, local police departments by allowing them to investigate and prosecute uh, police officers for all sorts of uh, reasons. And even worse, the Republicans are once again compromising with the Democrats, trying to find a solution that 
a so-called solution that they can pass in the Senate. You know, we have Tim Scott negotiating with the Democrats, and even with a negotiated bill, it'll it'll be a slippery slope towards a national police force, which would be completely detrimental to our liberties. And I have one more, one last alert, very pressing that I want to mention, which is HR1, which would nationalize, it would federalize our elections. Once again, it's a completely unconstitutional bill that will create federal standards, even for local and state elections, which are reserved for state legislators to handle. And it would also require state legislators to uh, create these independent redistricting commissions for, re for you know, the redistricting that happens every 10 years, even though the constitution gives Congress zero, zero authority to uh, regulate that. And then there's also all sorts of provisions that would destroy election integrity. For example, mandating internet voter registration, mandating, mandating automatic voter registration, same day voter registration, and completely destroy states' ability to uh, verify that their voter registration lists are accurate. So HR1 and its Senate companion bill S1, we must definitely oppose those. And Chuck Schumer, he wants to vote on that in the coming weeks. So it's very important that we do so. And there are a lot of other legislative alerts that we have if you go to jbs.org to the Act Now section of the website. Are you concerned with where America is headed? If not, you should be. So let's get busy on solutions. At the John Birch Society, our staff and members have over 60 years of experience in pushing back on outrageous abuses of government. Our tools are truth and education. Our methods are tried and true with scores of successful operations. Join together with the tens of thousands of members of the John Birch Society nationwide to make a difference. We have professional staff strategically placed all over the nation and will provide the training you need to be a success. We will provide the materials you need to be a success. We will provide the esprit de corps that comes with working in concert with tens of thousands of members nationwide on the same goals. If you want to bellyache and do nothing, don't join because we don't want you. But if you're a patriot and you love our country and want to preserve the blessings of liberty to the next generation, then we need you in the fight today. Not soon, today. Let me clarify, today. Go to jbs.org and get involved right now. And remember, the Constitution is the solution.